What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me as he does every week is Mr. Joe Steven. Joe, how you doing? Doing well. I mean, heck of a weekend, some great games, some minor upsets, some teams really uh, solidifying themselves as conference contenders and national championship contenders for the playoffs. So some really fun games I've had in all of the conferences. I was excited to break it all down. Absolutely. I feel like every week uh, we get a better understanding uh, of the national landscape and, and who who's going to be in college football playoff contention and who's not going to be. Uh, obviously, the headliner of last weekend was the Red River Red River rivalry. I still can't say it. Um, and, you know, I don't think I have the, either of these teams are, well, Texas specifically. I don't think Texas is out of playoff contention after after this loss. Oklahoma certainly, you know, significantly boosts their chances. I think last weekend I said that uh, they had ESPN gave them like a 70% chance, uh, the winner of this game, to make the playoff. Oklahoma um, is obviously the winner of this game, 34 to 30. Pretty, I mean, this game seems to always deliver, except for last year when it was like 49 nothing. It, it's always a really entertaining game, and and this was certainly the case as well. A um, lot of back and forth, especially early in the game, and it comes down to you know a few a few goal line stops for the Sooners, and then eventually their their drive in the last minute there to cap it off. Uh, but what were, what were your kind of main your main takeaways from from this game in Dallas? Yeah, I mean, it was a close game. It started out high, Quinn had a couple of picks, but then they blocked that punt for a touchdown. I mean, it was back and forth the whole game. Texas took the lead late um, on that field goal. And Dylan Gabriel, I mean, just came down the field, um, led this team to a big drive to, to score late, and, and that was the difference at the end of the game. It was kind of one of those games where whoever the ball last um, ended up being the winner, and it was just back and forth. Both defenses stepped up in big moments, um, and it wasn't necessarily like an offensive battle, but the offensive Offenses showed up in the second half, I really thought. And I mean, I, th- I think Texas, like you said, they're not out of it. They're still really good. But Oklahoma, I didn't give them enough credit going to this game, I think. Yeah, I, I think Oklahoma, like a bet on Oklahoma heading into this game was a bet on you believing in Brett Venables and what he's doing at the program. And it was a bet on you believing in Dylan Gabriel because – before this game, you know, there weren't really, there wasn't really anybody on the schedule for Oklahoma that, you know, a game that you can point to and say, okay, they're, you know, legit. They're on the national level, on the national stage. They're college football playoff contenders. You know, it was Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, and Iowa State. Uh, Texas obviously had that win at Alabama, which could very well help them, you know, come come December when the committee's make, uh, making their decisions. Um so, you know, that's why Texas was favored by six. That's why most people were picking Texas. That's why I picked Texas. Um, but Oklahoma, I mean, it, it would have been a really ballsy pick to go with them. Um, but but they proved, you know, they proved the doubters wrong um, on Saturday. And it was a really, really big win for them. Dylan Gabriel really obviously stood out for me. I think he kind of hoisted himself into Heisman contention. Mm-hmm. Um 285 yards and a touchdown with with his arm, but he was really, you know, with his legs is where uh, he he stood out to me. 14 carries, 113 yards and a touchdown, Um, you know, really able to kind of escape collapsing pockets. And and there's a lot of design runs that they ran. That first touchdown was a design run. Um, You know, even at the end when the, the last play, the touchdown kind of scrambling around in the pocket, uh, composed himself and threw a nice touchdown. Um, at the end, to Nick Anderson, he was really good in this game. And I think, it, you know, 
Oklahoma, their defense bent, bent, but didn't break. You know, they gave up a few big plays, but you know, they came up big when they needed to. Like I said, that goal line stand with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter was huge and arguably swung the game for them. Um, so their defense is legit. It's a Brett Venables defense. Um, you know, they have really good linebackers, Peyton Bowen, Danny Stutzman, uh, Jaron Kanick. They're good on defense. Um, and, and the offense seems to be there. So it's, it's a different Oklahoma team than, you know, the Lick and Riley's, uh, his teams of, of all offense, no defense. It feels like a balanced attack for them. And you have to feel good about that moving forward. Yeah, 100%. Like you said, it's a balanced attack. I mean, Dylan Gabriel did what he had to do, 23 of 38, 285, and a score, that late touchdown pass, and 14 carries for 113 and a, and a score on the ground too. So balanced attack, throwing the ball, running the ball, defense played big, especially that goal line stop you mentioned. That was a big swing there because Texas, they scored there, and, and it might have been their game at that point. Um, So a massive stop, um, which you didn't see in the old Big 12 Lincoln-Riley air raid offenses. They, they don't stop those plays. so. Definitely a different force in an all-around football team, which I think bodes well for them, not only the rest of this season, but moving towards the SEC, they're going to have to stop mm-hmm. some of these teams. And a little note that Greg, Greg Sankey was at this game uh, taking in his two new um, uh, teams for next year. I like that take. And, you know, I think a lot of the concerns surrounding Oklahoma and Texas, like heading into the season and when it was announced that they were going to the SEC was, was like, are they going to be able to hang with the big dogs? And I think this game and this season will ultimately prove that, yes, they can. Not only are these teams really good, they're on the national scale. You know, Quinn Ewers, he might go pro after this year, but Texas can replace them with Arch Manning. Um, and Oklahoma, you know, we saw what they did as well. Both these teams are going to be legit in the SEC. And then you also have have the fact that the SEC is a bit down this year overall. Uh, I mean, can you imagine either of these offenses going up against LSU's defense right now? Like, I, I think they'll be fine um, in the SEC. And Oklahoma's schedule moving forward, very, very favorable. Uh, next weekend, oh, they have a bye. And then they go UCF at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, home versus West Virginia, at BYU, and then home versus TCU. So I'd say they're going to be favored by double digits in pretty much all of those games, except for maybe at Kansas. Mm-hmm. So they have a really good chance to make the playoff and, and they'll probably end up playing Texas again in, in the Big 12 title game. Yeah, I mean, I, I smell a trap game in one of those, maybe at Kansas, but like you said, they're they're going to be favorites. They're going to be decently heavy favorites in all of those games. So the Big 12's theirs for the taking, certainly to get to the conference title game without a loss right now, they're going to be favorites the rest of the way. Yeah, the conference as a whole outside of Oklahoma and Texas is a bit of a mess. Like, it's hard to point to what team, I mean, like, who's the third best team in that conference? I mean, West Virginia is 2-0, but I don't think they're the third best team in that conference. I, I guess it would be probably Kansas right now, um, whose only loss is at Texas without Jalen Daniels. With Jalen Daniels, they're very dangerous. Yeah. I like BYU. Um, they're they're 4-1. Their only loss is to Kansas. But outside of that, like, TCU's down bad. Kansas State is they lost to Oklahoma State on Friday night. Baylor's really down bad. Cincy, Houston, UCF are kind of struggling in their first year in the conference. Neither, no, not, uh, not one of those teams has a win yet in in conference. Uh, Texas Tech hugely disappointing. Iowa State another disappointer. So this conference outside of these two teams is very weak, and I think there's a damn good chance we see both of these teams matching up again in the title game. And then, like you know, if Texas wins that game. 
do they ultimately make the playoff because they that resume that win at Alabama would probably put them ahead of an Oklahoma. So it's going to be interesting. I think barring uh, obviously either of these teams falling and stumbling in an upset game, if they both finish 12 and 1 or or 11 and 1 whatever, 12 and 1. Um it's going to be it's going to be a tough decision. For, for the I think, I think when at Bama pushes them over the edge. Yeah, yeah, because Oklahoma just doesn't have the same resume. Um, but I mean, they control their destiny. Like if they if they run the table here, or Sorry. even if they lose one of these trap games, but still make the tail game against Texas and beat them again, like they're gonna have their own chances to to write their fate. So I mean, I'd love to see them match up again. You know, in a few months here in the Big Twelve Championship. Yeah, that would. I mean, I'm glad. And that's I'm not what a, it's looking like it would be. Yeah, I, mean, I think Texas will also be favorites in the rest of their way too. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Texas's schedule, they go by week at Houston, BYU, Kansas State, at TCU, at Iowa State, and then home versus Texas Tech. Again, a pretty easy schedule. Um, Chandler Morris is out for TCU for a while. They've said so. It, it bodes well for the Longhorns and the Sooners, and if they play again in 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 um I get the conference title games in Dallas and Jerry's world, not Jimbo's world, but Jerry's world, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, we're starting to get a, a feel of, of the national landscape, and these playoff conversations are starting to become are starting to be had to be had. I mean, even though it's only early October, we're starting to get a feel of um you know where where teams are going to be come December and, and selection Sunday. And Selection Sunday take a you know turn from NCAA basketball. Another big game over last weekend that uh, you know eliminated one team certainly from uh, SEC. Uh, the SEC title game contention is was the Bama A and M game. Uh, Bama takes down A and M in Jimbo's world for uh, twenty six to twenty. It's another it's another win in my opinion for Alabama where you just don't feel great about about them you know in terms of playoff contention now it thrusts them directly uh, you know it puts them as the front runner to make it to Atlanta as the SEC East champion or SEC West champion um, but like I said Milro sacked six times nothing going from the running game twenty three yards on twenty six carries and nine false starts uh, but Milro I mean. If you're an Alabama fan, you got to feel good about Milrow after this game. Threw for a season high 321 yards and three touchdowns. Jermaine Burton had a big game for them. Uh, he did have a bad pick, um, but you know he overcame that. Made plays down the stretch, and this game, you know, AM was up 17-10 at half, and then Bama outscored outscored them 16-3 in the second half. A uh, lot of lot of conservative play calling from Mr. Jimbo Fisher. Punted on fourth and one in plus territory. Down nine with two minutes left, he kicked the field goal uh, from the Bama two yard line. Felt like he missed an opportunity. Felt like a, a missed opportunity for A and M. And I feel like in these games where you're not favored, you're at home, you have the crowd behind you, you, you gotta you gotta go for it. Uh, especially considering you know Bama, it's a flawed Bama, uh, and, and they can they can you know you can get at them. Jimbo kind of disappointed me there, um, but but h- how'd you feel about how, about this game uh, in Jimbo's world? Yeah, I mean, I felt like the chance was there for Jimbo. Like, I think you really got to step on the step on the gas and go for it in those situations against Nick Saban, against an Alabama team that's down a little bit for Alabama this year. And A and M's playing better; they're playing close to those expectations. But you're on your backup quarterback. Like, take those opportunities when you're down on the field on a good Alabama defense and go for the points, go for the touchdown, go for it on, in their territory at fourth down and one. 
I mean, those are the things where I don't even think it's a decision or a, a conversation. I think you should just, the game plan is, hey, we, we go for this. Yeah. We're down nine, we're going for it. We're, yeah. we're tied late. It's fourth and one. We're getting the first down. We're draining more clock. We're going for the touchdown. I, I think he needed to do that. So didn't love that in a close game that they weren't going for it. And for Alabama, I mean, they did what they had to do. They got it done. The defense played well. And Milrow may have, it wasn't their typical running game or him using his legs, but maybe his best game as a passer that I've yeah. seen. And Jermaine Burton stepped up. So as an Alabama fan, fan, not a complete game, but it's what you wanted to see in terms of an improvement. I mean, he was great in the passing game. So you, you can't ask for much more from him right now. He's playing pretty well. Yeah. And, and I, I said it last week and I, I'll say it again. I think, I think Alabama is going to be one of those teams that gets better over the course of the season. And, and that's certainly the case with, with Milrow. Uh, he, he's, he's been getting better. Um, obviously he still, you know, has his, has a mistake in him, has a head scratching moment in him. But I, I think, uh, you know, as an Alabama fan, you gotta, you know, he's starting to instill confidence uh, in you. Um, their, their schedule, the rest of the way they go, Arkansas at home this weekend, uh, Tennessee at home the weekend after that, bye week LSU at Kentucky, Chattanooga, and at Auburn. So they're not, you know, that's not easy. LSU, LSU, Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, and Auburn at Auburn. Those are four tough ones. I don't think they're a lock to to run the table. Yeah, I don't think it's a lock to run the table. I think all those games could get interesting. All the, they're lucky a few of those are at home, but. Depending on how the rest of those teams show up, um, and I think for each one, it's like, can both sides of the ball, like we're getting to Kentucky and the offense and LSU and the defense, but can those teams have a complete game and catch Alabama one side of the ball on a bad day? And we might be looking at another loss. Yeah, it's just a matter of, okay, who is that team that is going to win the West in replace, uh, replacing Alabama? You know, Ole Miss has to go at Georgia. Probably not going to win that game. That's that'll be their second loss. LSU's defense is is a train wreck. They have to play at Alabama. Outside of that, LSU has a winnable schedule. So if Al- the West could very well come down to that game, as it so often does. Um, but again, I'll, I'll say it again. I just don't think th- this is a different SEC West than we're used to. You know, we're used to seeing Alabama and LSU in the top five uh, in the country with you know A and M pushing them, uh, Ole Miss sometimes in the conversation, sometimes Auburn good, uh, had a surpri- couple surprise seasons from Arkansas. So it's really surprising to see or to have the SEC West not be kind of the central, the, the, the center of college football excellence. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I mean, this landscape, I mean, Georgia's carrying them again. I mean, we'll get into the Georgia game, but dominant performance. But we'll see who comes out and, and is the – the next cream of the crop in the SEC because each one's got a problem somewhere on one side of the ball, it seems like. Yeah, it's a flawed SEC. And uh, I mean, like, I, I again, I always say it, like, parity is good for the sport when, you know, we haven't really had it uh, in, for most of our lives, at least. So I, I'm embracing that this year. And maybe, you know, maybe that'll be the case moving forward with NIL and, you know, all the transfers. If if that helps the sport uh, have more parity, then, then I'm all for it, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. I, li- I like the parody. So it'll be cool with team switching conferences and see what happens with uh, the new the new realignment, but also the old conferences. Like the Big 12, I'm, I'm curious to see who can – that still stays as like a Power 5-esque one. We'll, we'll see right. once Oklahoma and Texas sleep. It's clearly this year they're the cream of the crop. Yeah, no, the Big 12 won't have like those mega national brands in the conference mm-hmm. anymore. Sure, they'll have like 
you know, good, good quality football programs. But again, yeah, there's no Oklahoma, there's no Texas, there's no Nebraska of the old days, there's no Texas A and M, um, all big brands like that. So yeah, and also just a note, the the Big Ten schedule for like the next five years came out last week, and some of those schedules are brutal. Michigan plays Oregon, Washington, USC, uh, Ohio State, and, and Texas next year. Just whew, whew. that's a gauntlet. Yeah, some was undefeated in the Big Ten, like they're an absolute lock to be in the college football playoff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, next year, obviously, with the expanded playoff, there's a very good chance we'll see a three-loss team in that in that playoff. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a completely different landscape next year, uh, and this year even feels way different than the past previous few seasons. So uh, we're just gonna have to embrace change in this sport, you know. Um, and I'm open for it. Another, you mentioned you know some smaller upsets happened this past week, and and the the main one I would say was, was Louisville, Louisville upset Notre Dame thirty three to twenty. It was never really that close, especially in the second half. Uh, Jahar Jordan gashed Notre Dame, 21 carries, 143 yards, and two touchdowns. Notre Dame could not get anything going with their rushing offense. They rushed for 44 yards on 28 carries. Offensive line looked terrible as they continued to try to run the Brian Kelly offense in year two of Marcus Freeman. Uh, Sam Hartman threw three picks. Uh, interestingly enough, he had six turnovers at Louisville last year. So, sorry, Louisville. Uh, so Louisville seems to be a bit of a bogey team for, for Mr. Hartman. Uh, Notre Dame only threw it 38 times compared to, you know, Louisville only threw it through 24 times, but when you're down the whole game, you'd expect them to pass more than 38 times. So it seems like Notre Dame fans are really disappointed with kind of, it just feels like the same team every year. They're running the same offense. They always come up short in big games and a a big upset here. And and you got to feel good about Louisville heading forward. I mean, undefeated, and that's a good win over Notre Dame. So, I mean, they're undefeated. You can't ask for much more. I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of the year that Jeff Brown would turn around this quickly for these guys? But nice win. They shut down Hartman. They shut down Notre Dame, and and can't ask for much more on the on the Notre Dame side. It is it's just disappointing. They didn't show up. Hartman had probably his worst game of the year. Um, just tough turnovers. He just can't play out Louisville, I guess which is unfortunate, and it doesn't get any easier. They're at home this weekend, but they got USC coming to town, so could spell you know a, a third third loss here in the last few weeks. Just a brutal, yeah, just a brutal run of games for them. Going at home against Ohio State, then they had to travel to Duke, then they had to travel to Louisville, and now they have USC at home, all in prime time. Uh, I, I feel like there's got to be some wear and tear uh, on the Irish in, in this schedule and, and all these night games. Uh, playing in primetime on the big stage. Um, but I was just really, I was really honestly disappointed by by Notre Dame in this game. I was on them. I bet on them minus six. Uh, I thought they were going to kind of take care of a Louisville team that hadn't shown me much. But, I, you know, and I, I've never been a huge Dak Plummer guy. He only threw for 145 yards in this game, but they won the line of scrimmage. And we always talk about winning the trenches and, and Louisville dominated them. So if you look at their schedule the rest of the way, it's 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 decently favorable. Go at Pitt this weekend. Should win that one. Bye week. They got Duke at home. Riley Leonard. We'll see where he is at that point. Vatech, Virginia at Miami, and home versus Kentucky. So I mean, they're not necessarily going to go twelve and zero, but we could we could be looking at a ten win Louisville team, which you know so early in the Jeff Brom, you know his first year in his, in his tenure. 
um, that's great for them. And I, I think, you know, the difference between him and all the other Louisville coaches is he might stay there because he's a Louisville guy. Uh, he, that's always been his dream destination. He could stay there for a while. Uh, who knows for the rest of his career, maybe, and, and really make that program, um, a legit contender. You know, we've seen them kind of pop up in spurts. I think of like 2006, 2008 when they were good. And then obviously you had Lamar Jackson, but we could see some continued uh, relevancy for, for Louisville here. I mean, it's a heck of a, that's a, it's a dream situation for them as a football program. Like they've gotten good recruits. Like think of Lamar, like brought that program on the map and they still weren't like a new Year's six bowl team. Like they were just really flashy and, and right. solid in the ACC. This is the perfect guy. You know, he wants to be there, wants to be there for the long haul. He's got proven success, He's already turned this place around. And I mean, they're undefeated right now. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But it's a it's a dream situation for for the Cardinals here. And and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. They they could play spoiler and we'll see if they're they're a real threat. I, I, I don't know. I still worry about them. Like I haven't seen a full complete game. Um I wonder if they go up against like a, a dynamic like Florida State and offense or something, but I mean yeah, overall, I can't ask for anything more from Jeff Brom in, in this year and and this team moving forward. Yeah, you, you gotta be you gotta be elated if you're a a Louisville fan um, moving forward and about the season. They're, they're they look legit, and if you're a Notre Dame fan, just just kind of feels like yet again, um, kind of the same old the same old story uh, for for those fans down there in South Bend. Unfortunate. Uh, another another near upset this one was not a full upset uh did not complete it but usc escapes pac-12 after dark beat arizona 43 to 41 in double ot or sorry triple ot um arizona was up 17 nothing in the second quarter in this one and you know the same old story honestly with usc defense was getting thrashed and and caleb williams kind of had to bail him out they they botched uh, the game winning field goal at the end of regulation. Snap was you know over the long uh, over the holder's head, and they weren't able to get the kickoff. But uh, so they you know went to reg- uh, went to OT tied at twenty eight. And Nofa Fida, man, his second career start for the Wildcats, uh, threw for three hundred and two yards and five touchdowns against this USC defense. Now USC defense it, it did kind of you know in the second half. In overtime, it made plays when it needed to. Uh, you know, Arizona only scored eleven points um, at, after being up seventeen nothing. So, um, while yes, they did get gashed, they they also had good moments in this game. So, I, and, and again, it was Caleb Williams just doing Caleb Williams Caleb Williams things. So, I, I don't know where does this game leave you feeling about USC, especially heading into this next game against Notre Dame? I still feel good about the offense. Like they're still there. I mean, I think they slept walked in the beginning of the game. We got down 17 0 early. But Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams. The guy just shows up. I mean, he had some throws that were just incredible late in the game and over time, like just making things happen on his own. Offense is still there. Talent's unbeatable. Um, not worried about that sense, especially against Notre Dame. I think we'll show up and, and put up more points than Hartman and, and those guys. It's still the defense, though. Like, went down 17 0. I know it was double overtime, but gave up 41 points. That's a lot of points. So I don't know. It, 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 it's kind of got like a Lincoln Riley just like mess up somewhere, like Grinch on defense, like a big gaff. And like, they're just not playing complete, whether it's they're not getting up enough for the games at the beginning. Um, offense is fully there and defense gives up too much or the offense starts slow. It's just something's a little bit off. So 
I don't know. It's going to be tough against Notre Dame. They got what? Do they have Oregon and Washington on the schedule too? So yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. They they're really good, but they don't fulfill like a full championship team all around to me. Yeah, they have a they have a championship quarterback and a championship offense, but the defense just lets them down so much. Uh, you know, their defense makes every other team they play makes their quarterback look like Caleb Williams. You know, no Fafita in this game looked like he was Caleb Williams. If you're an alien <laughs> watching this game uh, for the first time, you'd think, I mean, hey, no Fafita, he must be one of the best quarterbacks in, in college football. Uh, that's not the case. This is his second career start. But yeah, incredibly impressed with, with Caleb Williams. Um, are you, do you buy the whole Caleb Williams is going to tell whatever team gets the number one pick if he doesn't want to go there that he's not going to go? Do you buy that? I I don't. I don't think so. I mean, if you look at it right now, how it sits right now, your Chicago Bears are right now probably going to be the number one pick. We'll see what happens the rest of the year. but well, Probably because of the Panthers, yeah. Yeah, because of the Panthers. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see him saying no to that because why would you? I don't care what you care about the organization or the team. Like, that's a massive market. Like, what what's his deal right. breaker where he goes? Like, organization, coaches, like, market. Like, I mean, we'll see what happens to the coaches have in Chicago. And if it is them, we're, you know, it's like Chicago, New York, LA, like, biggest markets in America. He'd want to go there. I think it's more so a shot at the Cardinals is the way I interpret it. Yeah. But... I mean, Kyler, if he plays the rest of the year, that'd be quite the switch to go for him and and get rid of Kyler, and we'll see what happens. But I I don't really buy it. It's a lot of money to leave on the table. I know he makes a ton in NIL, but really to stay in college versus go and be the number one pick for sure, like I I think it's a bunch of smoke. Yeah, and even the Cardinals have shown signs of competency this year. They're kind of frisky, and mm-hmm. um, it's not like you know whatever team gets the number one overall pick is going to be good. Like he should be well aware of that you know whatever team's picking first is 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 going to be a really bad football team. You're not mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to get drafted into the Kansas City Chiefs from day one. Um, so it, yeah, and then also I, I think a key factor in in this is yeah, sure he might make more money on NIL than he would on his rookie contract in the NFL, but a there's a massive signing bonus, and b you're delaying that second contract, that second contract that, you know, is generational wealth is a mega payday, a few hundred million dollars. You're delaying that by a year and you're just increasing the risk of injury and, and all the other factors that come into it. Who knows what could happen? I feel like why wait to get closer to that money when, you know, just go pro and, and get that money as quickly as possible. Yeah. I, I think he goes, I think it's just kind of like him. I don't even know if it's him. Maybe it's just his team, marketing, parents, like someone's yeah. just putting that out there to, do a smoke screen, see if they can drum anything up, like put that out there in case they probably have one team, maybe it's the Cardinals, they just really don't want to go to and they're just putting this out right away. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I, I think he's going to go. Yeah, I think he's gone. And I don't know if he wants to, I mean, the USC offensive line is also pretty bad. He 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 has to scramble around and, and make magic happen and he does get beat up. So I don't know if he wants to do a, an, another year of this of this USC stuff out there. As great as Lincoln Riley is, it, it seems it seems like it could have some, some wear and tear effects on him. Mm-hmm. Some other games over the weekend. Moving to the ACC. I mean, we got it. We got to talk about this one. Georgia Tech beats Miami twenty-three to twenty. I had this one on. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably now know what's happened. Uh, you know, or what happened. Miami running. Basically, there was like twenty seconds left in the game. Georgia uh, Miami had the football. They were up by 
a score, whatever, and uh, they had no timeouts left. So all Miami has to do is run the football and the game's over. Instead, for whatever reason, inexplicably, they hand the ball off to Donald Cheney Jr., the running back. He fumbles, which, I mean, if you go back and look at the replay, it's borderline. I mean, it looked like his his elbow was down there, uh, but it's really hard to tell, or it was really hard to tell. And he fumbles. George Tech gets the football. They They end up scoring in four plays. Um, Christian Leary caught a game-winning 44-yard touchdown catch, and it wasn't like a, a Hail Mary type pass. It was a, you know, Haynes King scrambling out to his right and and hitting uh, Leary in stride. There was like four Miami players totally totally lost him in, in the back half of the secondary, and they score on a walk-off touchdown. And it's this is actually the second time this has happened to Mario Cristobal. It happened to him at uh, Oregon against Stanford as well. Um, and... Just just the worst possible way you can lose a football game. They were going to be heading into this North Carolina game undefeated, but instead they have one inexplicable loss. And just, I mean, it, it was the story everywhere on Monday morning. It was such it was big such, news. Was, I just, I just, such incompetence. Victory formation. Get behind the center. Take a knee. They literally could have kneed the clock out. It wasn't one of those like, oh, like, you know, there's going to be a 15 second difference. Like let's run it and try to get a first down and like, make sure we can ice it. They could have just need the clock out game would have been over. That's it. It's done. Jake hands. They win. It it's inexcusable. There's, he said it too. He was like, he owned it. He's like, no explanation. We should not have been running the football. That's on me. We should have been taking a knee, shaking hands and and we're undefeated. I mean, so, but it's also like, it's pretty crazy like that everything went wrong after that because yeah. they run it. He fumbles borderline. Like he might've been down. It was pretty close, but it's not like they gave him the ball back at like their four yard line. They were in Georgia tech's territory. Like they had to go pretty far. Haynes gang makes a couple of throws. Defense absolutely collapses on that last play. Let's them get deep, which a horrible defense. Then by the secondary to even give up the touchdown and, and those points in the first place, like so many things went wrong to lose the game, let alone that they weren't up by more on Georgia Tech in the first place. Right. My, like, I thought they were way better than to have this game be that close anyways. But <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, think of the difference of, like, they win this game, you know, regardless of if it's only by four versus Georgia Tech, and it's like, boom, we're undefeated going up against North Carolina to probably favor because I think they'd be a little bit better. But the morale shift, like, how do you go in that locker room? And it's like, yeah. dude, we won that game. Like, we should be undefeated. We should be the U. We should be undefeated. Now it's like, it's just such a weird morale thing. Like, he's got to turn that thing around quickly. Or, you know, don't let Drake May, he's hot now. Don't let him get a hold of you this week because it could go two straight losses for these guys when they were looking like ACC contenders. Yeah, I felt so bad for the players, especially Cheney Jr., the running back that fumbled. He was crying on the sidelines. A lot of those guys were crying. It's just not their fault. I mean, they shouldn't, the defense shouldn't have been in that situation. The offense shouldn't have been in that situation. Nobody should have been in that situation. Uh, and yeah, terrible loss. And I mean, it is important to note, and you kind of hinted at it, like Miami was not good in this game. I think they were like 21 point favorites. Tyler Van Dyke threw three picks um, for and only one touchdown. He looked bad. Uh, and just even if they won this game, it would have been seen as a disappointing win, but you want to win your clunkers obviously. And mm-hmm. would have obviously much rather have won this game than lost it, especially, especially in the fashion that they did, man. Um, obviously it's not like a fireable offense uh, like this week, 
But if 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 Miami's trying to eventually get rid of Chris Ball, there this is something that they can point to. It's one of those things. Yeah, I'm. It's just inexcusable, and he knows it. But it, it's almost worse than everyone digs up when he did it at Oregon, and it's like, dude, you, you, how do you do that again? The game, like now, he's he literally has to like now. What he has to do is hire somebody on staff who's the time management guy <laughs> who just radios in and is like. Yep, just calculated it. Knee it out. Nothing wrong. <laughs> Knee it out. Like now, there has to be a guy on staff because they can't do this again. Like if he does it again, he will get fired. Like you have to at that point. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe at some point in his career, he'll he'll do it again, and maybe he'll just be known forever the rest of the time as the guy that refuses to knee the football at the end of games. Just so brutal. So so brutal. Uh, other games in the ACC: North Carolina dominated Syracuse, forty to seven. Syracuse only had 221 yards of, uh, of, of total offense compared to UNC's 644. Big story for this one for me. Obviously, Drake May is great. Threw for 400 plus yards, bunch of touchdowns. But in, compared to years past, this North Carolina defense is solid. So they got a game against Miami this weekend, and I, you gotta feel you gotta feel good about what they're doing down there in North Carolina. Mac Brown building up that program. And they have a favorable schedule the rest of the way. Let me tell you, Miami at home, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Campbell, the Camels, Duke at home, and then they end, they do end with two tough ones, Clemson and NC State. I'm not saying they're, they're going to go undefeated. They very well could. But we're definitely looking at another 10-win North Carolina team, in my opinion. Yeah, they didn't look good to start the year. And I thought they were like a, a sneaky like get-upset team. Um, and I would have loved Miami if they were undefeated going to this game, but boy, did Drake may look good this past week. And he's kind of starting to get firing back towards that Heisman hype he had before the year and how they look and Mac Brown and, and the rest of his team. They got Tez Walker got uh, yeah. reinstated. He had some, just some, a brutal decision by the NCAA to not let him play at the beginning of the year, but he's back. So another wide out for him. I like him the rest of the way. I mean, I'm really excited. I, I hope um, Riley Leonard can be back healthy and everything, ready to go 100% for that game because that'd be really fun to have a big Duke-North Carolina football game late in the season. Yeah, we don't see many of those. That would be that would be fun for sure. Uh, some other notes in the ACC. BC, Boston College beat up Army 27-24. to They only threw like six passes in that game, so they beat them kind of playing Army-style football. NC State beat Marshall 48-41 in a good game on the CW. Uh, Clemson beat Wake Forest seventeen to twelve in a game that happened, and then Florida State beat Vatech thirty nine seventeen. Uh, game was closer than the final score, but they get the win. A- any other thoughts as we close out the ACC? Uh, BC reminds me of Nebraska last year. Just plays close games. Winner yeah. just plays close. <laughs> like I kind of like down to their opponents and up to their opponents in a weird way is what it kind of feels like. Um, uh-huh. Marshall was I, I think I put a sprinkle on him last week Rashid Ali is just unreal at running back so they're really good as a group of five team nice win for NC State they turned it around offense got fired this week um, they benched Brennan Armstrong and then Clemson don't love it but of course they're kind of bouncing back you know another one for those guys and then FSU do what you got to do nice win over Vitek, Um, but kind of as, as expected by a few touchdowns yeah um, Boston College Three point win, three point loss to Northern Illinois, three point win over Holy Cross, two point loss to Florida State, lost by twenty eight to to Louisville, and then beat Virginia 
by three and beat Army by three. So it, it, it is the season of close games for, for Boston <laughs> College, uh, for sure. That's that's a, that's an interesting one. Moving to the Big 12, some other notes. Obviously, Oklahoma-Texas was the, the headliner in that one. Uh, but Oklahoma State got a much-needed win over Kansas State on Friday. Uh, Kansas destroyed UCF 51-22. to Texas Tech beat Baylor 39-14. And Iowa State, who was wearing skin-colored pants. I don't know if you saw them. Ar- they beat arguably, TC- no, arguably no pants. <laughs> yeah, arguably no pants. They beat TCU 27-14. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State out of nowhere, dude. I loved Kansas State this year. I thought they were like sneaky Big 12 contender. Tough loss. Oklahoma State looked down going into this game and just came alive at home on a on a Friday night and, and took down the uh, the Wildcats. So I don't really know what to make of these two teams moving forward. I still think K State's solid. I I guess Oklahoma State's solid. Like does one of these two plays spoiler the rest of the way against a Texas or an Oklahoma? So keep an eye on on those teams. Kansas big win. UCF's not bad, man. So great win for them. When they have Jalen Daniels, we said it earlier, but they are dangerous. So. Keep an eye on those guys when they when they play uh, Oklahoma later this year. Texas Tech, nice win. Baylor's down. Dave Aranda, sneaky hot seed. I don't think he'd get fired this year, but having a rough one for the Bears down in Waco. And then TCU, I mean, what a turnaround. Last year was clearly a fluke. They go down to Iowa State, which nice win for them. But yeah, they had some they had some funky uniforms. They were honoring the uh, Jack Trice, the stadium's named after him, and just really old uniforms and the pants like. When it's in video, like it looks like they're not wearing pants. Uh, they, they, I can't like you know. There's so many like levels of quality control and approval that have to go into those uniforms. I'm sure. And like, how could it have looked like that back in the day? Like they, they had been a different pigment. Like it literally looked like they weren't wearing pants. You could have, you could have done like two shades darker. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Even if it's a little bit off, be like, oh, like a little bit more modern. Like, like just make sure it looks more like a color. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather that than, you know, basically players feeling like they're probably, na- I mean, you could, you, you, everything was visible, we'll say, uh, <laughs> in that one. Uh, yeah, just a, just a tough look, but they do get a, a nice win over a TCU team that's kind of in a free fall at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, moving to the Big Ten. Some big ones. Obviously, Ohio State was you know the headliner. I, I think this week they beat Maryland thirty-seven seventeen. The final score does not tell the full story. Uh, the Terps were up seventeen ten in the third, um, but Kyle McCord you know struggled in the first half, uh, but came good in the second. Eleven for fourteen, two hundred five yards and two touchdowns in that second half. Marvin Harrison Jr. went off eight catches, one hundred sixty-three yards and a touchdown. Um, and, and you know Maryland continues to be sneaky. Uh, continued to be probably the third best team in that Big Ten, or sorry, the fourth best team in, in the Big Ten East. Um, and Ohio State gets a win. You know, a win is a win. They got Ohio, or they got Penn State in not this weekend, but the next. And I think we're going to learn a lot about a lot, a lot about both of those teams in that game. Yeah, I mean Maryland played really well in the third quarter. They were up seventeen ten. Defense was shutting down Ohio State. They were for the most part playing MHA pretty well. Now, Leah was, was making some good throws. I mean, they, they looked good into the third, and then offense couldn't do anything, and Ohio State just came alive. I mean, McCord, those last few drives was just unstoppable. Found MHA a few times, and, and that was a difference. But they, they played better than I think this final score shows. Like it, was, it was a close yeah. game, I thought, you know, outside of the fourth quarter. It, it was. It was a good game. And I guess ultimately, talent wins out mm-hmm. uh, in this one. 
and Terps fall, but they they could play spoiler. I know Michigan has to go to to Maryland this year before they take on Ohio State in, in the final game of the year. So uh, they're they're not to be they're not to be messed with. Uh, Tualia has a mistake in him, like he has a bad pick in him. He threw a bad pick in this game, uh, but there's they, they still have uh, good lines, uh, good secondary, good skill players. They always have good skill players. People always forget about you know the guys that they produce. Stephon Diggs comes to mind. And yeah, they're, they're a quality, quality Big Ten team. Um, I, I'd say this year, probably nine yeah. wins, eight wins. They they've been good. They've been good. So I think that's a, the point. Is Loxley's built a quality program out there in a tough Big Ten East for him every year. But it, I mean, they've just been quality. They've beaten every other outside of like Michigan and Ohio State. Like they beat the teams in, in Penn State. They beat who they have to beat, which yep. is pretty good for Maryland. Yep. I don't think you can ask for anything more. Nebraska beat Illinois 20 to 7 on Friday night in again a game that happened. Michigan beat up on your Gophers, uh Minnesota 52 to 10 on Saturday night. Wisconsin beat Rutgers 24-13. Northwestern beat Howard 23 to 20 and then Iowa took down Purdue 20 to 14. Nebraska, I was on them this week. So I liked them in that game. Illinois is not good. We knew Michigan was going to beat the Brakes off Minnesota. I didn't think it would be by 42, but P.J. Flag said it's the best team he's ever seen as a head coach. He said, best team I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, they dominated. So, again, Michigan might be the best team in the country. Um, they showed it this week. They <laughs> really put it to the Gophers uh, in a night game. Uh, so, not much fun for the Minnesota fans. Um, Wisconsin beats Rutgers. Big game versus Iowa this weekend. Iowa's offense yeah. was atrocious, atrocious. Again, we say every week, I know everyone's like, Iowa wins, like stop the Iowa slander, but it's like, dude, they can't play offense. The quarterback was six for 21, 110 yards, a touchdown and a pick. They can't play offense. They're so bad at it. So <laughs> I'm going to be on Scotty heavy this weekend. So I don't know. It's crazy that Iowa only has one loss right now, but they don't have an offense. It's preposterous. The, the uh, Big Ten West is is a shambles. I mean, I really, I really hope Wisconsin wins that game by three or more touchdowns. Just like, yeah. just to like, I guess, prove like talk some sense into the of a top twenty five team. Like, it's yeah. like Iowa's offense is just anemic. It's just, yeah, you've got a note on here. They got to average twenty seven point fourteen per game the rest of the way to, to have Brian Ferentz keep his job. But it's it's one of those things. Like seriously, I'm curious if they have something in there that's like. Like section B, like regardless of average points, if we win like ten plus games, this is exempt because they only have one loss. Like their defense and special teams play so well, but it's like, oh yeah, twenty points, like boom, easy, we're gonna drain the clock. Like just don't give the other team the ball. Right. I mean, they're gonna they're probably gonna go ten and two, or God forbid, even eleven and one, <laughs> and, and it's like, ugh, they're gonna be in a good bowl game. It's just like, why, why? I- I'm pretty sure Deacon Hill, the now starter, is uh, Wisconsin transfer. So that's the only way I see him turning around is like the revenge factor back at Camp Randall this weekend. Like they're going to need something on offense. They're going to need something. They're still probably going to need Cooper DeGene or someone on defense or special teams to make a big play and get a touchdown because I don't see him keeping up with Wisconsin offense. Not like they're, you know, crazy in terms of putting up points, but it's like like they're going to need a score. I mean, can you imagine them with like a juggernaut offense too? They'd be the best team in the country. They they might be the best team 
their defense and special teams play unbelievable. And it's crazy because it's like their line's solid, great tight end, decent running backs. Like quarterback play has just been horrible. I, they just don't – they don't have a modern offense. It's like, it's might as well run the triple options or something. Yeah. Get funky, get creative. Change it up, man. I mean, it's so funny because yeah, they they put a lot of offensive players in the NFL, but they're just they suck on offense. Yeah. So bad. So yeah. I'm like yeah, I'm more excited to watch that game. Like just classic Big Ten football. Yeah, and it'll probably decide the West. Yeah. 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 Uh and I'll be in I'll be in Ann Arbor this weekend for Michigan, Indiana. So we'll have critics corner boots on ground. Um there we go. Maybe give you some some takes on on the Wolverines next week, uh, but yeah, they 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 handled Minnesota. Cali, once Cali managed to do that pick six, I mean, you could you could have turned the team. Second play of the game, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, that was a jump. All right, moving moving out west to the Pac-12. Uh, this was the headliner for this week's slate. Unfortunately, it was on Pac-12 Network, so I don't know if this loss counts for Washington State because it was on the Pac-12 Network. But UCLA did take down the Cougars twenty-five to seventeen. Uh, and, and the story for me is, is that UCLA defense, they actually own the nation's top ranked defense, only 3.7 yards per play allowed, which is, you know, obviously a huge change from what we've seen uh, of previous iterations of Chip Kelly UCLA uh, teams. Cam Ward really struggled. I think he he fell out of Heisman contention, unfortunately, this week, 13 or 19 of 39, 197 yards, one touchdown and two picks. UCLA really just dominated this game. I know it was only an eight-point eight, eight game, but they outgained Wazoo 482 to 216. Dante Moore wasn't great. He's a freshman quarterback for UCLA. He's still very much a work in progress. Threw a really bad pick six before halftime to keep Wazoo in this game. But UCLA feels like a different team. Obviously, they lost at Utah, but I feel like they kind of thrusted themselves back into the national conversation with, with a nice win over over Washington State. And they will have the opportunity this year and they play USC and they play Oregon state to, to be in the conversation heading forward. It almost seems wrong to say that chip Kelly's defense is one of the best in the country. Like it's so bizarre for UCLA, but Hey, the defense is playing great. I thought Vegas like was onto something. And they clearly were this week when they favored them versus a, a top 15 Washington, Washington state undefeated team. So they, they were right. Like, I mean, Dante Moore still still got to step up a little bit more in some of these other games down the stretch here. But offense did what they had to do, and defense was unbelievable. Shutting down Cam Ward did the worst game he's played all year. So, I mean, what a what a win! Like, is this defense actually legit for UCLA? I think Wazoo can still bounce back to first loss of the year. They got some other games to come back around for, um, and, and have a chance to prove themselves. But yeah, I mean, Vegas knows, man. Vegas knows they were on the Bruins and they won. Yeah, they won and covered. I think there were, what, four-point favorites in that one? Yeah. yeah, UCLA, like I said, they go – I mean, their schedule is decently tough at Washington or at Oregon State this weekend, which will be a, a good one. Stanford, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, at USC, and Cal. For Considering how good the Pac-12 is this year, they don't have Oregon, they don't have Washington. Not the toughest schedule. And then Wazoo, yeah, they're, they're Arizona, at Oregon – uh, Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, Colorado, and then the Apple Cup, Washington. So both these teams could be still in the conversation in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Pac-12, parody, man. It's there. And I, I feel like I said it in the preview pod, and I'll say it again. I feel like they're, they're all going to play each other out of the playoff uh, yep. one last time. Process of elimination. One last time. Uh, other ones, Oregon State beat Cal 52-40 to in a high-scoring game. That was your lock of the week, and it cashed. Uh, and Colorado 
beat Arizona State again on the Pac-12 network, 27 to 24. So nice win for Colorado uh, as they kind of head toward bowl eligibility. Yep. DJ hooked me up with the lock of the week. I think they'd score 52, but they needed it against uh, the Cal Bears. So good win for Oregon State. Same thing. They bounced back after losing to Wazoo a couple weeks ago. So again, teams are starting to beat each other in the Pac-12. But Colorado probably should have won by more, but still beat Arizona State. And they did in Dion fashion. Should do her celebrating with the watch. They got the kickers celebrating. I mean, they're doing what they got to do against a really lowly Arizona <laughs> State team. But hey. When you win, you can celebrate. They got Stanford this week, and they should win again. And yeah, that'll be back-to-back wins if they can pull it off. Yeah, that'll be that'll be five and two, and one win away from bowl eligibility uh, with UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, and Utah remaining. So their their schedule gets tougher, especially in the end yeah. of October into November. All but, those games will be fun. I feel like all those sound fun. Yeah, yeah, they're they're. They're still, you know, a, a watchable team in, in mid-October here, and that's all that's all they could ask for in year one of Dion. So respect to them. They're winning football games. That's all that matters. Um, last Power 5 conference, SEC, we had Georgia. They beat, beat up on Kentucky 51-13. This game was never close. Ole Miss beat Arkansas 27-20, to and then LSU beat Missouri in a, in a back-and-forth game 49-39. to uh, tough, tough loss for Mizzou. Luther Burden had 11 catches for 149 yards. Mizzou was up big, 22 to seven. But again, you know, no defense for LSU. But Jane Daniels, man, it was the Jane Daniels show for the Tigers. He, he's a, he's a Heisman candidate for sure. He's a Heisman candidate on a two-loss SEC team. You know, halfway through the season, like he is unbelievable, just carrying this team on his back. Wideouts are showing up big with with Brian Thomas Jr. and, and Malik Neighbors. Um, again, defense just doesn't do anything. They did get a pick six at the end of the game. Where I was like, all right, they got the big stop to win it. But it's like just Missouri thrown all over the board. Same thing, LSU all over Missouri's defense. So no defense in this. Tough for Missouri. They were up 22 to 7. Like they were playing well at the beginning. Offense was clicking. Brady Cook was on fire with Luther Burden and just didn't have it. You know, Jaden Daniels played like a Heisman winner, you know, the rest of the way and, and willed them to victory here. So He's gonna have to keep doing that the rest of the way. Um, I still love Missouri, like the rest of the way, the rest of the way here for those guys. Just a tough loss. The offense wasn't quite there, uh, but I think they're still better than a lot of the rest of the SEC. Um, Arkansas, they're better than their record. Played this one close, lost by seven to Ole Miss. Another win for Ole Miss. Like yeah. stack them up for those guys, and I think it'll be a tough season record wise for Arkansas, but they really are better. Um, I mean, this game was close. KJ Jefferson's a veteran team. They're just slipping in all these games late. Um, so tough for the Hogs there. And Georgia, been asking for it the past couple of weeks, asking you shall, shall receive. They played like the number one team in the country. Uh, undefeated Kentucky coming in here flying high and just got blown out of the hedges, man. Just got pure dominated. So Georgia yeah. playing like the number one team in the country. They're looking pretty good the rest of the way. Yeah, they're looking great. I mean, I should have seen this one coming. You know, it's the week where everyone's starting to question Georgia coming off that bare, you know, tough win at Auburn. It's like, is this the same Georgia? They're kind of showing cracks. Uh, they're beatable. And, and then they go up and beat Georgia or they beat Kentucky by 40 points. And, a good and Kentucky team. A, yeah, a good Kentucky team. They weren't able to get the run game going. Devin Leary did not play well. They had a really bad personal uh, or um, personal foul in the first quarter when they were down seven nothing could have got off the field on fourth down but really dumb play um, unnecessary roughness and that it, Georgia scored on that drive and it was 14 nothing and the game was over so 
yeah, I think I still think Kentucky can, you know, win nine, maybe ten games and be in a good bowl. But uh, Georgia, yeah, I, they're number one for a reason. And and I think Carson Beck is is finally coming into his own in that starting role. And I think, you know, a good Carson Beck, a good Brock Bowers, you know, McConkey's back for them at wide receiver. They're they're legit. I think I still think they should be the favorites to win it all. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean. They showed that there should be no debate right now. They, they made it a no debate that they're the only team in the country. So they're firing on all cylinders right now. It's theirs for the taking. And we'll see. I still like Kentucky. I think they can bounce back. That was just, I think Georgia got right this week and uh, they play like the number one team. So keep an eye on the Wildcats the rest of the way. Yeah. In a year of parity, we could see a third straight Georgia national championship. They play Vanderbilt on the road, Florida, Mizzou. Uh, Ole Miss at Tennessee and at Georgia Tech the rest of the way. Uh, just make sure if they're in a tight one with Georgia Tech to, to knee the football in that one. But uh, yeah, another win for them uh, in, in what is becoming a dynasty down there in Athens. A couple group of five notes because there were some fun games. Wyoming beat Fresno State in my upset of the week. I finally hit one of those. Wyoming did it without scoring a point, a single point in the second half. Mikey Keene got hurt in this one. They had to bring in Logan Fife, the backup quarterback. He wasn't great. Ends Fresno State's 14-game winning streak and sets up a huge Mountain West game, Wyoming-Air Force. Uh, Wyoming only lost to Texas, Air Force undefeated. That one's in Air Force this weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, So big win for the Cowboys out there in Laramie. This was primetime on Fox. So some some legit television coverage for for a sneaky good Mountain West conference. Uh, Then you had UAB. Take down USF fifty six to thirty five. Only reason I note this one is because you know Trent Dilfer, nice little win after his his outrage uh, a couple weeks ago now. And then Boise State, they beat San Jose State thirty five to twenty seven. They were down twenty seven to seven with four fifty six before halftime, and they go on a twenty eight to nothing run and win the football game. In uh, you know a must win for them really in, in the Mountain West. So. Those are some, some interesting group of five games that happened this weekend. It's always kind of, they, they always can produce some, some good ones and Fresno State, Wyoming and, and Boise State, San Jose State were certainly some, some good ones. Yeah. Big win for Boise State. The Broncos are always good as a power five or as a group of five um, representatives. So nice to see them back at a big win here. I still think they're really good. Uh, UAB, you know, Dilfer, good win for him. Jacob Zeno's firing uh, quarterback there. I really wish that um, Mikey Keene hadn't gotten hurt in that Fresno State game. I think it just took a little bit of luster off that one. And, and uh, Wyoming took the foot off the gas a little bit, played a little bit more defense. But it would have been awesome if he was healthy um, in that second half and could have played there. Had a 14-game winning streak going to that, which is pretty crazy, I thought. Um, so tough loss for them, but big win for Wyoming. And you said it, man. Prime time uh, Mountain West this weekend. Wyoming going to Colorado Springs to take on Air Force, who's low-key undefeated, finally cracked the top 25. Yeah, I mean that that's that's honestly like one of the best games this, this coming weekend, and I think the winner of that game and the winner of that conference could w- very well be be in a uh, New Year's Six Bowl in, in January. So, yeah, hundred percent. So who would have thought before the season that Wyoming and Air Force is just prime time television in October? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean we love to see we love to see some party. And the interesting thing is is obviously you know they're they're battling for a New Year's Six Bowl this year, but I mean. Next year, both of these games, the Wyoming Fresno State and the Wyoming Air Force, they, they would have been games with college football playoff implications. Mm-hmm. So that's another interesting wrinkle that that'll be you know in effect next year. 
Yeah, that'd be so fun to see these teams like in the bottom of that that uh, screenshot when they're doing like the the rankings and mm-hmm. the playoff implications. That'd be really cool to see some teams like that in it. Yeah, I think you know people are are slow to embrace change, and I get that with football especially, but could be for the best moving forward in, in this sport. Agreed. Agreed. Great week though. A couple Great other week. couple other games we'll we'll chat on the uh the preview pod for this weekend later this week, but another great week and some big ones this coming weekend. Absolutely. It was a, it was a great week six and we march forward into week seven. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Please like rate review uh, and, and let us know how we're doing. Um, that's all we got. That's all we got. We'll be back Thursday uh, for our preview pod, previewing a, a fun, a fun week seven. And with, without further ado, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace out.